Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. In today's show, we're going to look at how to underwrite multifamily investments. My guest in the show is Adam Adams. Adam started investing in real estate in 2005. After repositioning his first apartment community in 2007 from a $2 million value to a $4 million value in 12 months as a property manager, Adam bought his first multifamily apartment building. Since then, Adam has managed several single-family fix and flips and holds over 100 multifamily rental doors. Adam is the organizer of Colorado's most active real estate group, and he hosts the Creative Real Estate Podcast. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash investors group and fill out an application form and or email me at infocashflowninja.com to start the discussion to see if you're a good fit for our group. And if you're in the Philadelphia, Bucks County and Southern New Jersey area, we are hosting live investors meetup events every month in Newtown, Pennsylvania. For more information on the monthly event and information on how to join us at our next live event, you could go to cashflowninja.com forward slash events. MC Lobshire, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cash flow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Adam, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you? Fantastic. Thank you so much for connecting. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I see a lot of the content that you're putting out uh, and uh, so, so valuable. So appreciate you spending some time with us today. I think a great place to start is if you could share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners. Perfect. I came from Utah, and so that's where I grew up. I live in Denver now. Um, but growing up in Utah, um, my stepdad was a entrepreneur, and so I really grew up thinking that that was kind of the normal path. Just as as my mom met him when I was five years old, and. And he also, I found out later, uh, I must have been eight or 10, and I found out that he was a real estate investor. I never really knew what it meant uh, before that, but at, at eight or 10, I started realizing that he like owned property all over. And, and I thought that that was a big thing. And he, I was in, must have been in junior high or maybe even elementary when the book Rich App Poor Dad came out and the board game Cashflow. Uh, came out as well. So he, we used to play cash flow when I was very, very young. And um, he decided to make me read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I kept saying no and no and no and no. And I was like, yes, I, you know, I think it's really cool that you are a real estate investor, but I'm probably not going to do it until I'm old and boring like you. So when I became old and boring, I guess it was in college, he gave me a piece of land and the piece of land uh, he about a week later, he said, for tax purposes, I'm going to have to pay him a hundred bucks for it. 
And I was like, how much did you pay for this? And he said he paid a hundred bucks on a tax deed sale. And I was like, so you're going to make me pay the exact same price that you paid. He goes, yeah, it's something to do with my taxes. I was, and so anyway, I, it took me a little while to put together a hundred bucks. I was in college. I was a server and, uh, you know, just full-time university. And, um, after two years, I sold it for a lot of money. And then that's the day I said, okay, fine, dad, I'll read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Now that I really get the real estate bug. So that was in 2005, five when I got the property, 2007 when I read the book and I studied Robert Kiyosaki and realized that he was uh, really big into apartment investing. Uh, something that I learned at one of his conferences is when they kind of bring you into the conference for the three days and they say, or the, for, the, for the full day, the free day, um, they say that you can make all this money with real estate and they show you pictures of houses. And then when you actually get to the conference, they say Robert Kiyosaki didn't even do anything with uh, single family houses. He made his wealth through multifamily. So I've, anyway, <laughs> in 2008, I learned that I was going to do multi, or in 2007, I learned that I was going to do multifamily. So I started by being a property manager. And fast forward 11 years later, 2019, I have ownership in 600 doors and I'm working to inspire other people to own uh, large multifamily because I think it's easier than single family. That is quite incredible. Uh, very, very inspirational. One of the things that I picked up as you started as a property manager, and uh, I, I spent some time uh, in that capacity as well. It's amazing what you can learn starting there about the business, running the business, and I mean, this, the secret source of management. How did that play into your investor uh, a mindset and, and, and also what did you learn from that that you can translate and just spot opportunities and de uh, in deals that you're looking at? Great question. I was managing a C-class apartment in um, about a C-class neighborhood and it was 18 units. The owner purchased it for $1,050,000 and he taught me that I needed to focus on two things. I needed to lower the expenses and raise the rents. That's all he taught, told me. He's like, you got to lower expenses, raise the rents. And then when, when it was time for a, a turn or uh, when somebody moved out and you had to bring somebody else in, he said, you have to do these really, really quickly. Um, that's one of the biggest things for generating revenue is, is, is to do these turns very, very quickly. So uh, get in and get out, get the new person. So, um, I was just hands-on doing all the things that his, he taught, taught me and he, he told me to do what I was being paid to do. And all of a sudden, uh, less, just about a, one year later, he sold it for $2 million. So he made a million bucks. He doubled its value just by lowering expenses and raising rents. And that just blew my mind. So when you're asking, <clears throat> what am I looking for? It kind of trained me that uh, I like the C-class area because I had, I've been having experience with C-class since 2007. And uh, the second thing is when you're looking at a commercial property, not talking about a single family, the real way to ra uh, raise the value of the property is simple. Lower the expenses, raise the rents, and that's what's going to get the value. And so that stuck with me and, um, and I've really made it simplified. A lot of people are like, 
they they think really deep into it and all I think about is what can we do to lower the expenses? What can we do to raise the rents? And um, if we do that, we might be able to, you know, earn a million dollars in, in a year. I like it. Keep it, uh, keep it simple, right? People over <laughs> tend to overcomplicate things uh, quite a bit. Um, and that's, uh, that's such a valuable tidbit right there. Um, Adam, what's your uh, investment philosophy overall and, and your, your wealth creation philosophy, um, which obviously real estate is a very big part of? Great. Yeah. Real estate is the main part of my investment philosophy. And what it is, is, is I believe that what you should do is you should have active income and you should put the extra active income somewhere to create and generate cash flow. Uh, for us, we our active income is um, apartment syndication. So, our, our active income is bringing in uh, apartment buildings and raising equity from other people. And we make an acquisition fee. We make money uh, upfront when we do that. And we also make some cash flow and some something on the back end. But regardless, if that's your job or if you have a full-time job that you love, maybe you're an engineer, whatever, you keep making a high amount of active income as much as you possibly can and store it away as fast as you can passively. So when I said I have ownership in 600 doors, uh, just to tie it into my philosophy for investing, I'm active on six, uh, 200 of those doors. That means I'm the sponsor. I'm running them. I manage the properties. I found the properties all. Uh, it'll be my job to sell the properties. And I'm passive on 400 doors. So whenever I make a, a, a decent amount of money where I have the opportunity to invest it, you want to be as passive as possible. So have your active income here and then try to get as passive as possible. Absolutely. Make, uh, protect, and multiply your money. Um, what markets are these doors in um, and what attracted you to those markets and those deals? Between single family and multifamily, we own in Tennessee. That's going to be Memphis and Nashville. We own in Ohio, and that's going to be in Youngstown, Cleveland, Akron, Maslin, Alliance, and Canton. And then we own in Connecticut, of all places, in Bridgeport. We own in Missouri, Branson, and St. Louis. And then we own in Texas, that's DFW, as well as Big Spring, Texas, and where we're currently focusing, um, we own a couple of single families in, in uh, Colorado where we live. Um, sometimes I forget to mention them. But uh, where we're really actively focused for the rest of 2019 is Oklahoma City. So we really like the market. We like what it's doing. We want to partner with other people that are already there. But oh, it's OKC all the way. And what are you currently seeing uh, happening in that market? Um, uh, any opportunities? Uh, what are some of the threats? And then also maybe you could tie that into what you're seeing as far as the asset cycle, the market cycle, the economic cycle. I know people call it different terms, but where we are right now. 
Yeah, good question. And the timing of of this conversation, maybe we uh, could have held off and had the this whole conversation like a few days from now. But um, right now, as we record, we're really in the beginning of 2019. And at the end of 2019, we have a market research team who has been studying all the markets and decided where we would be based on the market cycle. So as, as far as specifics, I don't have a lot of the specifics yet uh, myself, but my market research team does. So I wish that I would have had them here on the call with us. But what, what you know, we always look for, um, just as a generality, so I know that it's going to be there, even though I haven't looked um, as deep as our engineers. But um, for, for what we normally look for is to make sure that the market is on its way up and not on its way down. So as we speak, um, it looks like there's a few other markets, Seattle, Denver, they're on their way down. And it looks like there's a few markets, OKC being one of them, where they're on their way up and they can withstand um, a decompression. They can withstand a um, market recession uh, better than a lot of the other places. And that's a lot to do with job diversification and job growth and then population growth. And so one uh, metric that that I am uh, confident about is that the OKC for the last few years has been growing on average 1% year over year. And that's a, a metric that we look at all the time. If if it's done 1% year over year for the last three or four years, and or if it's grown, gone, gone even uh, 2% year over year for the past two years, um, these are really, really good signs of a strong market that's coming and growing. And they also have low cost of living, and which is something that we really look for is when you look at the cost of living, we want to make sure that people can afford the rents, people can af- afford to be there. And when with them growing, it's also another really good sign. But maybe we need to do another um, uh, detail on just the market. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. As far as deals that you're looking at, obviously, you, you mentioned the C-plus apartments. What um, is... Uh, the infrastructure and framework that you use uh, when you guys analyze deals and when th- something come across your desk. Okay, so um, just there's some quick metrics that we use. We want to make sure that we can, uh, We what we do is we pr- project it out a few years. So that might be four, five, six, seven years, maybe even 10 years. But w- what we do is we look at where it's going to be we analyze job markets and un- try to understand some um, metrics on basically like what are we, what do we want this to happen? What are our assumptions? So we always make assumptions and we try to be conservative with assumptions. What I mean is if, if a, an area job growth has been growing year over year for the last few years by 10% each year, um, well, those are not the metrics that we expect to be able to sustain so we automatically bring that down, you know, to one, two, or three percent, and not go with the ten percent um, if it has been growing, right? So that the market is probably the biggest metric when we're looking at a property, and then the second metric that we'll look at is the property itself, um, and we try to understand first what is the business plan. So uh, by that I mean every property has a different strategy. 
and maybe one property is already cash flowing and and but there's no potential to raise its value maybe we've already decreased the expenses as low as they can go and maybe we've already um, raise the rents as, as high as they can go. And all of the units are already um, fully um, rehabbed and it needs nothing. So if we're going to buy a property like that, then the strategy just means it's going to be a cash flow strategy. If, on the other hand, we're buying a property where we can see that the rents are low for the market, and then that comes again, you have to understand that market. If we can see that the rents are low for that market, then we look at the comparables, the comparable rents, what do they look like? And then we send in a a contractor to understand exactly what is it going to cost us to look like the comparables? Uh, What things do we need to do? And then we put together a CapEx budget. That CapEx budget is kind of like a, what a fix and flipper will have as their rehab budget. So it's, it's what do we need to put in in the first year or two and have in reserves ahead of time that it's not part of the cash flow. We're not taking this money out of cash flow. We want to raise that ahead of time. So I guess to really um, answer your question and tie it in and really come full circle, if once we understand what is happening with the property, what is the plan, then we need to understand, can we implement that plan? How long is, is it going to be for us to implement that plan? Do we need to partner with somebody else to make sure that the plan gets implemented? And then we conservatively underwrite what happens in between. So if it's a two-year plan or five-year plan, then we need to understand the business plan the whole way. And it sounds a little bit complicated, and it is a little bit complicated, but when you can figure that out, then you know exactly what you can pay and then you have your strategy, uh, what you'll be doing for the next five years to, on that property to be able to make it the value that you want to sell it in order to give your passive investors the return that you've, um, I guess not promised, but the return that you've stated in your projections that could happen. You're listening to Adam Adams on the Cashflow Ninja Podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. You're listening to Adam Adams on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. If we look at the the, the market cycle, um, a lot of well, just based on history, a recession is most likely 
on the horizon. Nobody knows when, when it's coming or um, uh, when it will arrive on our doorstep. What are some of the things that you're, you're doing uh, when you're looking at it, investments uh, to make sure that you're prepared to not only survive but thrive? Uh, are there some additional stress tests that you perform when you're looking and analyzing uh, deals? There, there are a few. Our under, so we have an underwriter that does all of our underwriting um, specifically, but there are things that we do to make sure that we're going to be safe. One of the things, one of the reasons why we're in multifamily is because at the last downturn, when there was a lot of houses going to foreclosure, for what we see is that Fannie Mae and Friday Mac, which these are the types of um, larger loans that we're getting on our properties, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac had less than a 1% default rate. I mean, I mean, we're talking default rate, not not necessarily even a foreclosure rate, but um, less than 1% of the properties that had loans like the ones we seek to go on these properties even defaulted. And so it is uh, a, an asset class that is stronger during a recession. So that's the first change that we made was to where right now we're selling all of our small things and we're buying um, larger properties that can get these larger Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So some of the stress test is with the debt service coverage ratio, understanding where we're going to be. So Fannie and Freddie think it's important to have a 1.2 or even a 1.25 debt service coverage ratio. And our, our company to, to maximize, you know, as you say, the stress test, we go to 1.6% debt service coverage ratio. Other things that we do is we look back into the market at the worst of times and look and find out what was the vacancy rate back then. And as you said, with a stress test, then we, we um, underwrite with those vacancy rates to understand exactly what's going to happen if our vacancy um, becomes the same as it did in the past. And we want to understand, can we still pay our mortgage with that? Can we still pay our investors with that? If the answer is yes to both questions, then we feel very confident to get into a property like that. There's many, many m more things, but I mean, multifamily education's pretty much, it takes a year kind of to really start to get all of these things. So I probably, we can't take a year on the podcast. <laughs> no, we we would fall many many shows uh, just uh, <laughs> just talking about that. So I appreciate you breaking it down for our listeners. You touched on mentorship uh, uh, earlier in our discussion, uh, the role uh, that it's played. Can you speak to the the importance um, of uh, of of mentorship still in your uh, on your journey right now? Uh, as you're growing and you're scaling your business and you're you're uh, reaching more investors and more people. Absolutely. So my my company, like when I was doing tax deeds, I took a, a forty thousand dollar mentorship, one on one coaching with somebody doing that. And with same thing, when we do our multifamily, we spent forty thousand dollars for our coaching and mentoring, one on one. And um, we had a, a, a mentor directly for one year from June of two years ago to June of last year. And um, right now, currently, I am hiring um, another uh, mentor that is uh, focused specifically on getting us to the, to the next level. So in my, in my opinion, um, as, even though most of the mentors uh, can cost, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50,000, um, 
it's always been more than worth it. We've easily saved uh, more money in mistakes than, than if we didn't have it. And I'm confident that the mentors that we're hiring now to take our business to the next level are going to be more than worth their weight in gold. Which, but it's less. It's twenty two thousand for the year, so <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Now, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying uh, new subjects, learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying? What skill sets are you learning, and what are you excited about? For us, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm I'm going to be studying how to sell from the stage. <laughs> so I get asked to speak a lot in around the country, and when when we're speaking, I wanted to have uh, this coach, this mentor, to really help me understand how to convey my message to the audience so that I can better help them and our company will make a, a more revenue as well. So that's really where we are right now is, is we're learning how to sell from the stage and that could have a bad connotation. I don't feel that it's bad. I feel like selling from the stage is really how are you conveying your message to your audience so that you can better help them because there's always going to be people that want to go to the next level. So that's, that's really the part of the education that, that I am in here in 2019. It's a very powerful skill and there's no bad connotation <laughs> over, over here because it, it's a phenomenal skill and a, a, and a very lucrative one too, if you could do it properly. I mean, I just look at Russell Bronson, for instance, is a name that comes to mind. I was at the 10X Growth Con in Las Vegas uh, early last year. And it was just, uh, I mean, you just sit there and take, take notes because um, he's providing so much value. But at the same time, I mean, all that sales really truly is, is, is finding people that connect to your core beliefs, right? Because if you believe the same thing, those, those are the people mo most likely to do business with you um, and educating and sharing and providing value. So um, to package that all together um, while doing all of the many other different things that you're doing simultaneously, it's a, it's a, it's a skill. It's an art, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what we're trying to work on, you know. Um, and this will be something we come into a little bit later. It's skill, it's an art, and um, one thing when you have so many things that are in front of you, the power to be able to find a way to cut out some of the fat to really trim that down, so you're doing fewer things, but you're doing them a lot better. Absolutely. Now, core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So, Adam, if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? The first one goes along with what I was just saying. We need to learn how to say no because there's a lot of good out there that you were always choosing between good and good. But the best way to get to, to be really, really successful is to learn the power of a positive no for some of the good things that we could possibly do, but that they, they really distract us from our core um, focus. The next one that I wanted to mention is team. And so as a multifamily syndicator myself, um, I'm not an underwriter and I don't want to be an underwriter. I'm, I don't want to spend time doing market research. Those things are not fun for me. 
I also don't want to be the asset manager. I was good when I was a property manager, but if I always feel weeded down and other people are good at those things and they may not want to run a podcast or, or speak or learn how to speak or run masterminds or host events like I do because maybe that's just not their personality. So teamwork really is what I want to suggest it for somebody who wants to go to the next level. They need to uh, allow themselves to partner with other people because that's really going to help you get to the next level. And the third one is something that I learned when I was in seventh grade in junior high uh, playing the tuba in uh, the band. We um, had to say this same thing every single, the same phrase every single morning, and that was that persistence and determination combined are omnipotent. That always comes to me and reminds me that if I persist and uh, don't quit and I can uh, show determination and relentlessism in any one thing that I focus in, I will have endless potential, endless power. I will be able to learn anything. I will be able to get there. And that stuck with me. Sometimes when the going gets tough, the tough needs to get going. So persistence and determination are omnipotent. Very, very powerful. So you, you had mentioned one thing um, that, I, that, I, that I wanted to ask you a question about as well, and that's the, the events that you're hosting and, and meetups and so forth. Can you uh, speak just to the power in that of having like-minded people in a room connecting, sharing, learning from each other? Absolutely. So it's very valuable to both the attendee, well, the attendee, the speaker, and the host to um, be at these events. For me, uh, being the organizer of them, it's easier for me to network with the people that are the speakers. Um, but even as an attendee, here's one thing that I recommend based on what you just said. Always pay for the VIP or platinum level. You'll get more than that in value because you're going to have a higher level of people that you're meeting with and you're going to have more opportunities and chances to connect one-on-one. The, um, and it ties back into the one of the things that I just said is the team. You have to build your team, especially if you're doing multifamily syndication like what we're doing. Yeah, I need to meet a lot of passive investors so that we are always able to um, have the money for our acquisitions. And if I have a lot of passive investors, I can't run out of properties. So I need to meet people to be on my team to help me bird dog and help me find those properties so that we can close on them. Regardless of who you are, um, if you're the speaker the, or whatever, it, it, don't just learn the content, but actually get yourself out of your house and meet with these people one-on-one, ask them questions. Uh, you have two ears and one mouth, so you got to use them accordingly. Start asking more questions, getting to know people, getting to know what they want. And when you realize that you guys could, you and them could work together, that's when you strike. That's when you tell. That's when you offer something is after you already understand that, it, that it's going to be a fit for them. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, in all three uh, capacities, I've learned so much. You know, uh, I was honored to speak at a couple of events uh, towards the end of last year and learned so much just from the questions that people ask, right? And then going to them, learning from uh, the speakers and networking with folks. It's uh, it's quite amazing. It's, It's helped me a lot in my journey. And the exciting thing too about the meetup groups 
um, that's just all over the country and all over the world is, you know, uh, most of them are free. If you have, um, if you have access to wife, a Wi-Fi and a laptop, you could find a group, uh, and get started right away. Uh, Adam, this has been a, f- a phenomenal connecting. Uh, where can my listeners reach out to you? Where can they follow you? Um, and where can they stay in, in, informed of all the projects that you're involved with? The best hub to go to is realbluespruce.com. That's R-E-A-L-B-L-U-E-S-P-R-U-C-E, realbluespruce.com, because that actually has our whole uh, portfolio. It shows what properties we own. You can also see all the events that we host here in Denver. Um, It shows everything that you need to know. If you want to be a passive investor, um, there's there's a tab for that, so... Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey uh, and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Thank you, MC. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Gold is one of the few financial assets that is not someone else's liability and has been recognized as money and a store of value for over centuries and used by the wealthy as wealth insurance. In a world where all countries have only fiat currencies and have a combined debt of over $247 trillion, gold is the ultimate form of wealth insurance. You can buy your own physical gold and silver at cashflowninja.com forward slash gold silver. That's cashflowninja.com forward slash gold silver. Thank you again for joining me on the Cashflow Ninja. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here, please subscribe, rate, and write a review for our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. Until next time, my friend, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.